Welcome to another episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. And today, we're talking about a topic that leads to a lot of misinformation in the compliance space, the SPRS score. Join us as we break down the SPRS score, demystify the scoring process, and explore real-life scenarios where a high or low score can impact your government contracts. We'll discuss how SPRS affects your eligibility for contract awards and subcontracting opportunities and share valuable tips on how to improve your score and maintain a competitive edge in the defense industry. So if you're looking for secure government contracts and to grow your business in the world of defense, this episode is a must listen. Tune in to gain comprehensive understanding of the SPRS score and its significance in the world of government contracting. Here we go. We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, President of On-Call Compliance Solutions and a CMMC Professional Assessor. Thanks for joining us again, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Rowan. So, Mike, today we're talking about the SPRS score, and the SPRS score is a vital part of contract of the contract bidding process, but it also can cause a bunch of problems. But before we get into those problems, let's start at the beginning. What is an SPRS score, and why is it important in defense? Yeah, this is this is not only a great question, but it's it's incredibly misunderstood. And you know, I'll tell you the, the reason it's misunderstood is because um, there's just a lot of noise out there that is very misleading about it. So SPRS stands for the Supplier Performance Risk System. It is a it is a government system that the DoD uses internally for decision making on which providers they choose on government contracts and particularly defense contracts. So essentially imagine this, the, the government has a database of risk analysis that they can go to and run on people who they are deciding between uh, when it comes to uh, procurement, right? You know, choosing who wins the defense contract. So why do they have this? Well, the first thing is, is that keep in mind that when you start to get to be a larger company, you have more and more risk uh, to your company based on what vendor you choose to do the work. Um, and this is, this is a really key business indicator that your price is not the most important thing necessarily when it comes to your bidding and the government work that you're doing, particularly in the defense industry, uh, to the point where if you're too high risk to deal with, then the DOD won't hire you. They just simply won't give you the contract. And I think that that speaks to the importance of becoming fully DFARS compliant, becoming fully compliant with NIST SP-800-171, getting ready for CMMC. That's how important it is. They built a whole system. And if you don't pass the risk test, if you will, uh, you're not getting the, that contract. Um, so, so what is SPRS? It's a supplier performance risk system. It is their system for analyzing risk. Why do you have to have a score? Well, obviously, I got to know how risky you are to do business with. So how do they, how do they originate this score? Um, you know, there's a lot of misinformation about how that gets done as well. Um, but I will tell you that the way that the score is derived can be found in a document called the NIST. Uh, let me see if I can actually find a copy of it here. Um, it is the NIST SP-800-171 Assessment Methodology. Uh, so there is an actual document. You can Google this. It's NIST SP-800-171 Assessment Methodology. And it is a detailed document, it's probably 50, 60 pages, on exactly what the assessment methodology is, how it can be assessed, and how you derive a score. 
Now, there's a lot of misinformation about this. Um, and some of that misinformation includes the concept that you have to actually go and evaluate your systems and use what you have currently in place to score yourself. That is not the case. That is absolutely patently false. That is not how the assessment methodology works. And there are so many consultants out there who have never even seen this document, it blows my mind. And they don't understand how this whole entire compliance thing works. Uh, and, and, you know, they're, they're making their clients do crazy stuff. They're making their clients sit there and actually, you know, force fix stuff immediately and uh, using it as leverage to sell them IT solutions they don't need and just all kinds of really nasty stuff that I think is wrong. Um, and maybe they're doing it on purpose, but I doubt it. I think it's just honestly a lack of real information and a lack of real expertise in this subject matter. You know, obviously we've been doing defense for 20 plus years. Um, we've really eat, slept and lived NIST SP-80171 since before the day it came out, even when it was in draft form, we've loved it. And so what the government is really after here is they're after an understanding of where you are in your plan to become in line with their security requirements. Believe it or not, that's kind of really what's required as far as the SPRS score. And that's so often misunderstood. The government understands that you may not, at least currently, be in full 100% compliance in reality with these, these requirements, okay? They're okay with that. But what is not okay is for you to not have a plan put together and a way for you to get from wherever you are now to being compliant. This is really a long-range rollout. I mean, if you really think about it, they started in 2017. I think their goal is really a 10-year rollout plan. Uh, that's not talked about publicly. It's talked about behind closed doors. The reality is by 2026, their hope is that people have finally gotten with this. Um, it's, it's frankly, I think a pretty smart idea because it's a lot to comply with, but it also works. So what is the score itself? So the score is a score uh, in basics where you're getting one point per control that you meet and you're having a, another number or point value deducted based on how important they think that, that control is to security. I believe those point values range somewhere between, on average, you know, one point and five points. There is a total of around something like minus 312. I may not be exact there, but it's you can definitely have an over negative 300 score, and then of course you have a maximum score right now, 110. Um, again, there's a NIST SP 8171 revision three that may be coming out here in Q1 of 24. There's allegedly going to be 109 controls. I bet they'll find a way to go throw one more control in there just so the control count doesn't change and they don't have to change the scoring methodology. Uh, but the point is, is that you can have a max score of 110, you can have a, a minimum score that's literally less than a negative 300. So it's very clear, and this is really what kind of makes me chuckle a little bit. Um, it's kind of a good joke the government plays on everybody. It's really clear if you read the directions. I don't know if you remember back in like, you know, maybe kindergarten or first grade, you got this test and the test had like 20 questions on it. And the first thing was, you know, it says, write your name at the top of a piece of paper. Question one through 21 are really tough questions. You get to question 22, it says, hey, if you read all the directions first, like it said to before question one, uh, don't answer any of these questions. Just write your name at the top of the paper, turn it in, right? It's a, it's a joke. It's, a, it's like a hoax. So the reality of, of the SPRS score is it's almost kind of designed to catch people lying. Um, if you have a score of like negative... 117, well, then you probably didn't actually even read the system security plan and give answers to it. 
because there's a paragraph called paragraph H in the assessment methodology that says, if you've got a plan and if you've figured out how to solve for all of these things in your environment, then, and, and if it's your initial rollout, um, so there are a couple of sort of precursors there, well, then you can score yourself a point for implemented because you know how you're gonna go fix it. And it's just a matter, it's, it's now become a temporary deficiency on its way to being addressed. Uh, and that's really what the government wants to know is that, is that you're looking at information security and you're addressing it. And to them, at this stage, that is compliant with DFARS and NIST SP-10171. Now, they're going to change that with CMMC, and they're going to start giving contractors with active contracts 180 days to close out their plan of action with milestones. That's just not the law right now, all right? January 4th, 2024, that's not the law. We are at this point advising our clients that they need to close these POAMs out uh, or plans of action with milestones. They need to close those things out um, roughly within the, you know, the 180 days, the six months. There's nothing in this entire, you know, program that I think takes longer than six months. We have literally consulted with 60, 70,000 employee companies, and I've never found anything that cannot be implemented by an IT team within six months, even a full-blown migration office 365 GCC high. Painful as it is, you can absolutely no excuses get that done in six months. Frankly, if you're one of our clients and we're implementing the solutions, we get 90 plus percent of everything implemented within 30 days. Um, and then, you know, it's just a matter of how fast can Microsoft get us the GCC high tenant? How fast, you know, what are, what are the oddball delays that may be happening in delivering some of those third-party solutions? So I know it's a really long answer to what is the SPRS score, but I feel like you've almost kind of got to, you've got to sort of take some time to address all of the fallacies that are out there, right? All of the misinformation, because if you don't address that, then people are going to just naturally get a totally wrong opinion on what this thing is really all about. Right. And, and if you're, you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it and, and you've, you've crossed paths with, with on call before on YouTube, a lot of our uh, these videos that we do on on these controls and the individual videos, we talk a lot about the SPRS score. So it made the most sense for us to do a, an episode of the podcast talking about what we what what we mean when we're talking about excuse me what we mean when we're talking about the SPRS score in those videos. And speaking of something that's designed to catch people lying because i because i remember those tests you're talking about in school but uh those that's a very real thing uh speaking of of designed to catch people lying earlier we mentioned the sprs score can cause a lot of issues for defense contractors and and what we mean by that is that sometimes they can get some bad advice by by people who who tell them oh don't don't worry about it just put in a score like you don't even have to go through the whole process. Just put in a score. That's all they care about instead of going through the proper channels and that kind of thing. So so why do some contractors get get that advice to just enter a random score? And 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 what kind of damage can that do to a contractor's chances to win a contract? Yeah, and, and I appreciate you asking this question. We did do a video on this, and it's something that I'm very passionate about. You know, it, it, I'm not going to name names. I, I don't think that's appropriate. I don't think there's a point to it. But there are some defense contractors who have said to their potential subcontractors or actual subcontractors, hey, just go put in a score so I can award you this work. Um, that's wrong. <laughs> that's 
a false claim. Uh, and you can be substantially fined for that, like millions and millions of dollars in potential damages. You can be blackballed from doing defense work ever again. You can get your prime contractor in trouble. I just really can't stress this enough. Don't do it. Um, it's it's very frustrating. If you are in the world of doing defense work and you don't understand that the reason that this entire standard is here is to protect you because you're a high value target to a terrorist or some other country out there who doesn't you know, want our, our you know, defense supply chain to be able to function correctly, just get out of defense work. I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, I don't, I don't really know any other way to say it. I don't know why more consultants are not saying this. Defense work is not for everybody, right? If you've got one or 2% of your entire revenue stream that's defense work, and you're not willing to jump through these hoops because it's too little revenue, just quit. Just get out. Uh, you know, not to be really brutal about it, but at the end of the day, if you're going to be entrusted with controlled unclassified information from the DOD, and they've got to be able to transition this to you in order for you to do your work, okay? I don't care if you're making bombs or not. That's not the point. It does. It literally doesn't matter what you might be doing. You know, even if you're a service-based company, uh, that's important, okay? They're asking you, they're not just asking you, by the way, they're telling you to be compliant for a reason. Uh, and the reason is because you could be privy at any point in your relationship to receiving, storing, transmitting information that is just simply off limits for outside people who have no business handling it. And so I, um, you know, I, I just don't think people get it. I, I think that they see the dollars and they want to go after the dollars and they don't understand that the world of defense is not the world of private sector where you can just promise the world and, uh, you know, kind of act how you want to act and run your company the way you want to run it. Um, this is different. This is, you know, you're under government procurement regulation or DFARS, the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement. Man, if you haven't read that stuff and if you're not willing to comply with what's in there, uh, you just, I'm sorry, you just got to get out. Now, for those people who are told, um, you know, by somebody, just go in through a score, I would highly encourage them to call us as soon as possible. Any call to us is confidential. It's it's called professional regard. Um, you know, we have NDAs and confidentiality statements. Uh, we do not drive Black Hawk helicopters to work every day. We're not those people, okay? That'd be uh, cool, though. It would be cool. It would be cool. I like Black Hawk helicopters. Why not, right? Um you know, the thing is, is that um, we can help you to right that wrong and we can do it quicker than any other company on earth. We can literally get it done in two to three days uh, for most companies. Um, but you, you can't you can't just go put in a score and call it a day uh, because what will happen inevitably is you will get audited. Uh, you will have DIBCAC or or the DCMA, the Defense Contract Management Agency, start asking questions. And when you don't know what the heck this stuff is, and you start giving real bad answers, they immediately go, oh, well, we need to pause work on this and go check this out. And then you're in for a world of trouble because you've already signed documents, right? You've made those attestations to the government that you're compliant. And um, you can't, I'm sorry, you can't fake a regulation that's got hundreds of pages to it. It's, just, it's not going to work. I mean, our average level of documentation for someone that we work with is probably hundreds of pages. Uh, that's in documentation you have to create somehow. So if you don't have it, you don't have it. You're not going to just produce that out of thin air. And the lowest settlement that I've ever even seen is like $9 million. Um, so 
You know, all I can tell you, Roman, is, um, you know, there are those primes out there, and again, without naming names, who have procurement officials who basically just don't understand the weight behind this thing, the importance of cybersecurity, the importance of information security, because this is not just a computer thing. And what they wind up doing is uh, they, they just think they're going to be slick and check the box and nobody's going to pay attention. Trust me, they're paying attention. Every year consecutively for the last three years, they've doubled the number of false claim settlements. They are being very public about this. And the vehicle for pursuit of non-compliance is clear, crystal clear. And the last thing you really want in, in your business, you've worked years to develop and you've, you've won your hard-earned defense contract, right? It's hard enough to win these things, is you don't want to be in a situation where uh, you know, your whole company now all of a sudden is in jeopardy because you got legal fees that build into oblivion because it's you versus the United States Department of Justice in a false claims act. It's like one of the most paperwork intensive, discovery intensive kinds of lawsuits you could possibly have. I mean, you know, one or two lawyers can't handle that level of discovery. I mean, it, it starts getting really, really expansive and starts covering every aspect of the work that you did. Every, I mean, just, just the discovery process alone is probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees. That's before you actually lose, because you're going to lose, because you didn't do it, uh, you know, and wind up with a settlement on your hands. So um, I just really can't stress how ugly it is to falsely claim a score that isn't real um, or isn't even close to real or to have inadequate documentation. So terrific question. Uh, again, I'm, I'm always sort of apologizing for my long drawn out responses, but um, it's a real passion point of mine because I, I look at a lot of, you know, people that I've interacted with who get told that and I go, well, cool. It's kind of weird. How much your business is defense? Oh, this is our first defense contract. Okay, cool. Let's, let's, let's make a U-turn here. Like, let's make sure it's clear that this is an awesome place to be and the revenue is unbelievable and the work is unbelievable and I like helping my country, but let's make sure that you understand what you really signed on for because it may be a little different than you thought. Um, it's just, it's not private sector business where it's the wild, wild west. It's unregulated. This is regulated work. You're being handed, you know, it's not called secret, but it's basically secret information, you know, or control on classified information. And um, you've got to protect it. You got to have the tools in place and you got to know what you're doing. So uh, great question, Roman. And th thanks again for asking that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, we, you've probably touched on this a little bit, but I really want to, I really want to hammer down to our audience, the importance of not only the SPRS score, but the, going through the proper process to obtaining your SPRS score. So how does a good SPRS score in terms of, in, in terms of winning a contract, how does a, a, a good SPRS score stand out against one that may not be so good? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, number one is if you don't have a score of 110, it's an immediate red flag, you're not compliant. Um, a lot of lot of companies, again, like there's so much misinformation out there. 110 score tells someone, I've got my plan together. I've, I've got my system security plan together. I've got my plan of actual milestones together. I'm at least at step one in terms of security. I know what to do and I've got a plan. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who have even been skeptical of us saying you need a 110 score. And we just simply point back to the actual assessment methodology and how this thing's assessed. And we go, well, there it is right there, black and white. This is how it should be done. Uh, I think any score that is not 110 is an immediate call out that you are not compliant and really shouldn't be doing this work. So 
anything but a 110 is a, a negative, bad, you're not where you need to be type of score. And you need to be ready to correct that within six months, I think. Um, yes, there is a statement in there, particularly paragraph H that says things should take, uh, you know, no longer than what is reasonable to fix. And reasonable is not undefined. But the problem is, is that our experience is that a DIBCAC assessor will define what is reasonable if you don't. And it is not going to be a year to fix a problem. Sorry, it's not reasonable. You know, if you're a billion dollar company, you've got a billion dollar company's type resources to go fix this stuff. Um, and, and I think that's that's as relevant as it is for a big company as, as is a small company. Um, so again, the idea that you can have a plan about, I mean, here's another one that I've heard. We actually had somebody get mad at one of our one of our compliance engineers. Uh, they were one of the solution engineers who who does you know sort of the um, the 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 initial education piece. They're like, we've had a poem for three years, you know, still have open items on it. That's not reasonable. That's not okay. There's no excuse for you to have not solved a problem with information security for three years. Um, so you got to watch out for that kind of stuff too. Reasonable is reasonable. Reasonable is not unlimited. Um, major, major, you know, false understanding there. Uh, you know, once you've got your plan of action milestones and you're compliant, you're at step one, you need to progress as quickly as is reasonable to get these things resolved. This is after all information security. It's not like, you know, something that doesn't have importance, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, if you, if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know, that, you know, the, the rhythm of these things, we have three serious questions and then, and then we sidestep it a little bit and have a little bit of fun, but this, this particular question uh, might get a little bit dicey because as, as we've said, there are some people that get some bad advice. It's like, Oh, just put it in, just put in a score. It's not a big deal. So with that, the silly question is, can you bribe SPRS scorekeepers with cookies for a better score? Yeah, uh, I don't think it would be a good idea to try to bribe anybody at the DOD with anything. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you go to jail for that kind of stuff. In this Probably country. not. So, uh, so you know, all I can tell you is, uh, you know, don't enter a half-baked score. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a, you know, Ben and Jerry's has a whole line of half-baked ice cream, you know, where you have cookie dough, but this is not that. You go, go, go through the proper channels, Get your proper SPRS score, get on track, win those contracts, and you'll be much happier. Yeah, I mean, most importantly, a little bit of self-promotion here, but man, if you are one of those people who got told to put in a score and and that's it, you went into the system, you registered, you put in a score, and there's nothing back in that, there's no plan, there's no plan of action milestones, you don't have full documentation policies, you know, you haven't fully documented your network, call us, okay? Uh, if we need to make you feel comfortable with an NDA confidentiality agreement, we'll do that. Um, honestly, any firm like ours is we act just like an attorney or an accountant. It's professional disclosure. We're not telling anybody. Uh, you don't have to buy our stuff. But one of the things that I think is so cool that we do is the first time you know you call into us, we are going to connect you to a CMMC certified compliance expert, like not a sales guy. You're going to talk to an actual compliance expert who can answer any question you could possibly have about compliance. You know, if at the end of the day you decide that you want to roll forward and have our help in solving this, great. All right, sure. We're not free. We charge money. Cat's out of the bag. But uh, I, I will tell you that we have tons of people that talk with us every day that never even get a quote from us because they just have a simple question 
And our thought is, is pretty simple. We've been very fortunate in business. Uh, we're a pretty large company, uh, especially in this space, maybe the largest. And ultimately, uh, it's not a big deal for us to help people out if all they really have going on is one simple question. Uh, honestly, oftentimes it's not one simple question. It's like, I need to get compliant. Uh, or, you know, I've been hemming and hawing at this thing for like three, four years, and I've been trying for like two years, and we're just not getting anywhere, and I don't feel good about the way that we're progressing. And we go, okay, here's your option for us to just come in and knock this out. Um, you know, I, I often have to remind people, you know, we also have a very low priced alternative. Um, a lot of people have not seen that we've done this, but we actually dropped our CMMC level two course price uh, from 1997 to $497. That's something anybody can afford. Uh, $497, there's like over 200 videos in there. I literally walk people through everything they could fathom when it comes to getting compliant if they wanna do it themselves. Now look, it's gonna take you six months to a year or two to do it through that program. Uh, if you got a day job, right? If this is you know, not all you've, you know, if you're gonna have to sort of do this in between help desk tickets, uh, you know, we hear that one a lot, uh, but you know, it's better than nothing. I mean, really, and that's what it boils down to. It's better than nothing. Uh, the real way to do it is you call us and let us walk you through it and, and basically do it for you. So great question. Great question. But no, as they say, no free cookies, no free lunch. No free cookies. Uh, and, and on that note and cookies, that wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to thank Mike for joining us once again and giving us great information on the ever-controversial topic of the SPRS score. Thanks, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, what should they do, Mike? Oh, definitely like, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast so you can stay up to date on this stuff and we'll help you get it solved. Beautifully said. That way you know when new episodes like this one are released, and we truly appreciate it if you could break and review the show. Your feedback helps us to continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again on the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.